<laughs> the girls are ready for another round. I just want more song. <laughs> I love it. Hello. You got me on, Paul? I don't hear it. I don't ever hear it anymore. I just don't hear it anymore. There's the buzz. What's the buzz? Yeah, I wonder sometimes if it's my voice naturally that carries through the room or if it's mic'd up. There's definitely a buzz. There is, I can hear it. The buzz is gone. What'd you hit? Just turn the volume down. Huh. All right, well. Whew. Feels good to worship, right? feels good to just let loose sometimes. Um, that's arguably one of the greatest gifts. And what are you going to do when you get to heaven? Sing louder. It says in the words that the angels sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so can you imagine gathering with a heavenly host full of angels which is what the word tells us we will be like. We will have bodies of angels. None will be married or, or join in marriage, but we will be as though we are angels and singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Right? Something. However that, however that heavenly melody, however that heavenly rhythm goes, can you imagine just hundreds of thousands have you ever been to a Christian conference where they have the worship band up there and then they cut everything and it's just voices? So like 10 or 15,000 people singing. It's really neat. They used to go to a thing called uh, uh, No Regrets. No Regrets. Um, I think that's what it was in, uh, in Milwaukee. It was a big men's conference. And to put 15,000 men in a stadium and have them sing a song, unbelievable. Wow. On, yep. Yep, it was a men's conference and all the men would sing. And it was just incredible. Oh, you don't need it. She's got it live on the thingy, I think. I don't know where she went to or if it's going or any of that stuff. So, what's that, Paul? You're going? Yep. Okay. But all that to say that uh, it's always a good day to worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. And my heart breaks when we don't, when we can't. Um, like, just, there's just something beautiful about that. There's something that changes, something that changes in the heart of the believer as they let her rip for the Lord. You ever, like everything you have poured out in worship. Who came to the live weekend with live worship? Right. What was the difference in that between what we're doing now and what, was, what happened there? Do you? I really like the live. But regardless, it was, a, it was a great weekend, and it's something that we're praying about to, to get a worship team here one day, to get a worship team and get children's ministry one day, and uh, just, just have fun, have fun. Friday night worship nights where all we do is worship and pray like a bunch of Jesus freaks, Amen. right? Like busting, kicking, kicking in the doorway to the house of darkness and just get out in the name of Jesus. 
Like, who wants to be part of that? Right? Like, I don't even know if I could really call anything that I got, like a karate kick or, like, honey, lift my leg. Straighten it out. Okay, now really fast. This is still count as a karate kick. <laughs> Praise God that God does the battling for us. Amen. All right, so we are starting a new series um, for, I think it's going to be about a month. And it is exactly what everybody loves to hear. It's everybody's favorite topic, giving. For a whole month, giving. Woohoo! And where it came from is last night. Last night we had a party for all the volunteers for King's Table over the summer and how we served the community. And uh, just how nice it was to hear stories about what everybody's favorite part was. We had a bunch of laughs and just carrying on and hearing stuff that you didn't get to see but other people were part of. It was awesome. And so giving, giving comes from a spot of the heart. Right, so when you look at this title, is it enough? Are you enough? Yep, it's Yep, it's an absolute blessing. So so the question is, are you enough? Or is it enough? So if you round, round this all into one little one little thing about giving, are you enough? Is what you're giving enough? And then you have to ask the first question, or the bigger question, are you enough? Because if one or the other is out of balance and you don't think that it's enough or that you're enough, then what do you do? Right, so traditionally in the church, 90% of the people sit, 10% serve. Which do you think are the loudest to complain about what we don't have going on in the church? The 90%? Yeah. It's not just because of volume, <laughs> right? Traditionally, it's hard to believe that even financially, um, people, who are, people who are tithers tend to complain less than people who don't. And in 15 years of ministry, I can pretty much back that up almost perfectly. But it's not always about, it's not always about money, right? What is enough? And enough for what? Enough for what? Time. How much time do you really have available? How many of you guys, I've admitted, I've confessed it a lot that like I need my downtime. Virtually every day I need some time to just shut my brain off and just vegetate. Right, like it's hard for me to just go to bed. If I go to bed, I'll fall asleep, but for some reason, I feel like I've missed part of the day. That just seems silly, but how much time do you really have available? Can you ask yourself, like, how much time am I actually wasting versus how much time am I actually utilizing for the kingdom of God? Right? Because if you remember correctly, we're to die to self and live in Christ, right? That's not a new thing. For many of us. But how are you doing? It's hard. Well, we can say it's hard, but we have time for other things that matter. No, I mean, it's hard to carry like that perception, like dying to yourself. Okay, what makes that hard? Because it's unfamiliar territory, like you want to live for the kingdom of God, but yet you have this, I'm just put myself out there, it's like, okay, now what do I do? All right, so... I came to know the Lord August 6, 2006. It says 16 years, I'm 52, so I had 36 years without and 16 years with. How long does it take for me to get real? How long does it take for me to get used to it? 
I picked up smoking in about a half a second, picked up drinking maybe as fast or faster, and all the other little things that I did, quickly. I, uh, I pick up a lot of things really quick, really quick. So I want, to, I want to use the excuse, it's hard. I want to, and I'm with you all, all the way, like I get it. But this is what I'm saying, I have to look. At some point in time, our walk with God has got to be the forefront of everything that we do. But if I just allow myself to say, well, it's hard, and I'm not saying, I'm not picking on you, I'm picking on Lottie Dottie every Dagburn body, right? 16 years being a pastor, is 16 years of having my heart broke watching 90% be served while 10% take. And it's always the same ones showing up to the same things, doing, doing everything. Is that a point of guilt or shame? If I said to the, to the ones that don't serve, well, why don't you serve? What's the problem? Don't you love Jesus? Is that fair? Right? Like, I could make a whole biblical case. But is that what I'm doing? Or am I calling to every one of us to evaluate our hearts, to understand our relationship with God? Where are we truthfully? Truthfully, we have to know where we are with God. And this, it's not a bad thing. Like, if you get your emotions out of the way, you won't be mad at me anymore for what I just said. Like, just get them out of the way because they're just going to steer you wrong. Right? Like, nobody's pointing a finger. Nobody's telling you that you're less than. And if you feel less than by certain, certain messages, maybe you ought to check your emotional status. Maybe you ought to check and see where you're at. I've had to do it a lot. I think in 16 years, I've eaten more crow. Like, God has, like, opened up the crow-making factory just so I can feed my face. Like, it's just a constant. I'm surprised I can get stupid words out of my mouth because I'm eating them so fast. Pretty steady-like. All right, so then, treasure. So giving of your treasures. What's enough? Enough of what? Enough of your treasures. What are your treasures? Love. Okay. Time, talent, patience. Well, we already did time and we got talent coming up next. So what's your treasure? What are the things that you hold dear? Mine, mine, mine. Wraps. Your wraps. Okay. What's that? My son and your son and your daughter. Okay. What are things that are treasured so in, in America and around the world, we're always striving for something, right? We're always going after more of something. And so we work a little harder. We figure out a system. We do the things that we need to do to get the things that we want, right? In America, we're very, very blessed to have so much. <laughs> you guys have all seen pictures. I think you've all seen, many of you have seen pictures of my trips from Africa, if you haven't, they're downstairs, where you're looking at urine and feces rolling down the drain, and you just it's just normal to walk over this. It's normal to eat dinner within five feet of this. You guys get to put, or we all get to have our beef and our pork and our chicken and our turkeys and all that food uh, butchered in a refrigerated plant and it's all sterilized, and it's all beautiful. You know, when a piece of meat comes, it's that gorgeous red or the perfect pink or, you know, whatever color the meat's supposed to be. It's beautiful. But when you're looking at a quarter of beef hanging behind a plate glass window in a shop, and there's nothing inside of it, it's open air. Like, this thing is baking from the sun because you're nearer to the equator and they eat it, and you get to be invited, and you get to eat it, right? But here in America, you know, we're pretty precious about the very things that we have, like 
Some people won't eat certain cuts of meat because it's not good enough. You know, some people won't do this. Some people won't do that, whatever it is. What is your treasure? A lot of people are, have to have the latest and greatest cars, the, the bigger, better house, the blah, 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 blah. Whatever it is, what are your treasures? Right, so, so some of these things are really important for us to, to really get a grip on. And, and the next four weeks is going to be about getting honest. Getting honest with yourself because let me tell you this. It's not between you and me. It's not. Right? It's between you and God. And there's a point in your life and in your walk with God that you had better get it straight. You better get it figured out. Like he's not going to smite you or anything. But when you get to that day and he's like, what happened, my sweetheart? I had given you so much and you didn't do anything with it. But God, I did, I did this and I went to church every week. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you did. It was wonderful to watch you worship me and praise me. But what did you do the other 167 hours? Well, God, I, I slept. Okay, so that's... That's the 56 hours of the week. So now you're at 100 and 102 hours or something like that, or 100 hours, 110 hours. What'd you do with those? Well, I worked for eight. Okay, so that's 40, so now you're at 70. What'd you do with those? I gave you all these things, all these treasures, and you chose to put them under a rock by the tree and you didn't invest into the kingdom of God and you didn't grow the kingdom. Why didn't you do that? What, what was going on? What, what got into your heart? What's, what's happened? Well, I didn't have enough. What did you need? Remember that question. Okay, remember that because we're going to answer it sometime in the next few weeks. So the last thing, talent. What are you good at? Like, how are you going to, don't say nothing. That's a lie from the pits of hell. And I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Don't say nothing. Don't say it. Because if you say you're good at nothing, then you're telling me that God made a mistake. Right? And I'm not hearing it. I will not hear it. Because you've chosen not to find it or figure it out. That's on you. And a lot of us do it. We get into this place where it's like, God, I'm just not good enough. And then we don't push ourselves to actually achieve what God is calling us to. And you're not in, in a special boat. That boat is so dag burned big, it's ridiculous. Right? Like, like there's going to, I don't know, man. Like, seriously, if you knew how incredible you are, you would never be able to say that again. Never. Because it's a lie. An absolute and complete lie. You're welcome to say, I haven't found it yet. Or I haven't figured that out. Or I haven't felt comfortable. All those things. Because God loves you so much. He looks down and he's like, man, that's my little girl. I can't believe that she's buying these lies from the enemy. I tell her every day how much I love her. And she tells me I love her. Or she loves me. Right? And we get caught up in that. Anybody else get caught up in that? Just the false belief that you're no good? So, what's the first question do for you? If you're no good at anything, then what's, what's your answer to that? You'd have to say no. So are we minimizing that, that we can look past it, or what's going on? And I'm only calling you out because you're going to help everybody else get through this, okay? So it's, it's important. So please don't hear me belittling you. I want to lift you up, and I want you to rise up and realize that intercessory prayer is a gift from God, and it's something that he needs in the church. It's not a little thing. You're one of those people, I've heard you pray, like, no, Terry. Shh. 
you're praying for dinner. Like, stop already. It's 27, 27 minutes in. The food is cold. It's getting maggots already. You're a prayer for fasting dinners. When she stops, we can eat again. <laughs> but it's a blessing. I can't do that. I cannot do that. I, I, I want to rifle through things and get, get, to get them done. Otherwise, I get to pray and wake up. What, huh? Oh, yeah, I was enjoying this beautiful time of prayer. Not everybody's an intercessory prayer. Because you've got to know the answer to that question. Yeah. Intentional send somebody a card with, you know, a heartfelt prayer. Um, you know, we don't know what's, what's on the other side. Right. Well, how we utilize things, and actually, when we are released, when we are released from the strongholds of the devil to do what we want, why do you think he says to die to self? To die to self is to live in Christ. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful trade or swap right because otherwise we're guessing our second guessing ourselves you nailed something right there why not send cards i administer the uh the uh, tivoli once a month and people think they're done because they don't live a regular life they don't live in their house they can't go anywhere they can't you know blah 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 well apparently you never in your 80, 90, 100 years, have, has anybody ever told you that prayer is important? I beg them every time, please pray. We're out here dying. We need people to pray. And the answer to that question, the answer to that question, are you enough? We're going to spend more time answering that because how are you going to give from an empty bank account? Right? We're to minister from, an, from a full vase. Right? And God is pouring in streams of living water. And out of that abundance, our relationship with God flows the ministry of God. But if we don't take in, then how do we give out? And so taking in is taking in the truth of God that says you are more than enough that I sent my son to die on a cross for you, right? To understand that as we have negative speech, and we all do it, lottie dottie, everybody has negative speech about themselves, right? Remember when we talk about why torn is torn, because we are not going to tell stories about ourselves, about being super Christians, when we're all dying inside a little bit every time because it hurts to go to church because I'm not good. I'm not the perfect one. I don't fit there. Well, what happens when we understand that we're blood-bought children of God? That we're enough. What happens? What happens when we get that through our heads? What happens when we realize that we can tell the Satan to go straight to hell? Get out of my head. You don't have, you're not paying rent. You don't get to live here. <coughs> so if God is calling, are you listening? Because here's the skinny if you're listening, then you're hearing, right? Like, it's a verb, it's not a noun, it's something that we're doing, it's an action. I'm actively listening to God, which means two things. One, I'm hearing something, right? Like, I'm going to keep listening, I'm going to keep hearing God. But it also means that sometimes, and this is a hard part for intercessors, it's a hard, time, hard part for victims, 
Anybody spend half of their life being a victim? Right? Like, <laughs> I do it. I do it a lot, and it angers me. I catch myself. My wife can catch me in it. That's like, that's not good. Put that away. Right? Like, we are warriors. We are champions. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The, the enemy has already been defeated. So we can, we can stop acting like we're begging God for, for just these little morsels. We're more than dogs eating scraps off the floor. We are his sons and daughters. We have a place at the table. We have servants serving us, angels serving us, Holy Spirit serving us, Holy Spirit filling us, Holy Spirit walking with us, helping us to do everything that God is calling us to. So when we sit and all we can do is say, God, God, please! What happens when we say, God, please give me ears to hear you today so that I could know what's going on. Because I feel like I'm lost in my heart. I feel like I'm lost in my life. And I'm crying out for you, God. And I know because you told me, you told me that I'm your son. You told me that I'm your daughter. You told me that I'm your beloved. You said it. So either God is a liar or we got some problems with listening and believing God for what he says. One or the other. The choice is yours. I'm going with my problem. Right? It's my problem. It's my inability to listen. It's my inability to understand, to believe the fullness of what God is calling me to. And I know that there's problems that we all have. Like, I'm never going to beat Usain Bolt in a 100-yard dash. Ever. Do you know who he is? World's fastest man. He's a Jamaican sprinter. Lightning, lightning fast. Incredible, incredible, incredible sprinter. Never going to beat him. I'm never going to be able to beat LeBron James at basketball, but I would love to punk him out and just drain trays on him all day long. Say, sit down, fool, sit down. Freddy's in town. What's up? I would love it. You could. Uh, he's only 6'5". Maybe he's 6'8". I'm 6 foot. This doesn't leave a lot of room. I could go underneath his armpit, maybe. But you know, I have limitations that I'm not going to be able to do that, and it's okay. So understanding what God has created me for and what to do with the gifts that I have is really crucial in understanding that I'm enough and that I can listen to God and I can hear him. If God is calling you to something, are you listening? Do you know what he's calling you to? Okay. Why does that stop just because you're not a nurse anymore? Well, you are, but you'll never stop being a nurse. You guys are almost like Marines. Right. So then, I'm no good at anything. Boy, Terry, you and I might as well pull up at the same dang table and eat some crow. Let me see if, see if somebody, see if somebody will bring us some whipped cream or something. I hear it's better that way. Right. Okay. Mark chapter 12. Let's open up our Bibles real quick to Mark chapter 12. And I'm going to try and get us out of here, but I've got to get us somewhere first. Right? I'm in a hurry to get things done. Right behind you. Mark chapter 12. And if, you're, if you turn to Mark 12, um, go to 11, 29, to 33. Mark 11, verses 29 to 
It appears as though most who are wanting to be there are there. All right. And it says, Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of, peop of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So before we get into chapter 12, it's kind of unique to sit here and listen to what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about authority. And, and the thing to understand is the people that he's talking to there are people that should have known the answer. They are supposed scholars. They know the word, right? Like he's sitting there in the Sanhedrin. He's talking to these people, to the Pharisees, to the religious zealots, to the folks that should know. And they keep trying to stump Jesus because they don't believe who he is. But as we get into the next piece, it's really unique because we hear about the talents, or not, yeah, the uh, tenants, the parable of the tenants in chapter 12. And so the unique thing is, you need to understand that Jesus is sent from God and he has the authority from God. That's just what we needed to pull out of there is understanding his authority. Okay, and where it comes from. He is from God. He's sent by God. So I'm going to turn to John 14, 12 real quick because I want you to hear something. Okay. John 14, 12. Or four, yeah, 14, 12. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Why would I tell you that one? You see, because it all, it all plays, it all plays into understanding who you are, understanding your authority given from God, because when the question is asked, are you enough to do what God is calling you to do, if you don't understand the authority that's been given to you and who gave it to you, then you're always going to fall short of receiving and doing what he's calling you to do. Amen? Does that make sense or am I talking in circles? Because it's important. We need, to, we need to flip the script and maybe 10% of the church population starts doing nothing and 90% do the serving. Right? Like we're never going to get to where we're supposed to be without doing what God is calling us to do. And most of us that don't do aren't doing it because we are holding on to our time, we're holding on to our treasures, and we're holding on to our talents. One if not all three and we're not going to give them up for nothing. Mine, 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 mine. We take the selfish bone. We take our toys. We come to church Sunday and then we bolt out the door. And my argument, my belief, is that it comes from a poor belief system. But if we start teaching you the reality of who you are and the abilities given to you by God, as it says in John 14, 12, if you haven't written that down, Maybe you want to write that verse down. Just write John 14, 12. Because if you can put that in your brain and remember that, meditate on that verse, maybe, just maybe, something will change in your thought process. Something will change in your belief system so that you start walking with courage. Instead of being a victim, you're a victor. Amen? Amen? So when God starts listening, you actually know that he's talking to you because you're his beloved. He believes in you and he's got something for you to do. So how many of you guys have read Mark 12 and the parable of the tenants? Right? So it's important to check this out because 
Here we go. I'm going to read it quick and we're going to get through that portion. All right. And he began to speak to them in parables. Why did he speak to them in parables? So they wouldn't understand. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. What did he say here? And Jesus said to them, up in 11, Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Why? Because they weren't listening in the first place. They weren't understanding who Jesus was, so I'm speaking in parables. And those who receive me will be given the word. Those who receive me will be given understanding supernaturally to understand what it is I'm saying. So all the parables are, they're like, joke's on you, buddy. Don't tell me you know my father, because if you knew my father, then you'd know what I'm saying. You'd know who I am. I'm doing everything that your book said that I would do. All the prophets speak of me, and yet you don't know me. My guess would be that you say you know, but you're so stiff-necked and hard-hearted that you won't actually believe that it's me. You're looking for loopholes out instead of looking for the wide gate to let you in. So he says, and he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some remember that word, some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed, he had still one other, a beloved son. Finally he sent him <laughs> Finally he sent him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is the marvelous it is marvelous in our eyes. What does that sound like? Isn't this cool? Like, just check out what he's saying. Who created man? Right, our triune God, our, our God? Right, so he created man. What did he do? He gave him all the fruits, all the treasures, everything. He said, have dominion over the world. Name it, have dominion over it. And what did they do? Time after time after time after time. How many did they stone? How many did they kill? How many did they ignore? He sent prophets to tell him of the coming of his son. And what did they do to his son? They killed him. Why? Why when God just wanted some? But what are we doing when we hold ours right here? Are we any different than any who have come before us? And we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. We have Holy Spirit filling us. Isn't it incredible that we can still be the way that we are? But yet, do we read the words? Do we have ears and eyes to hear and read that word the way that God is calling us to hear and read it? Do we? What do you think? If the church did what God called us to do, would we be in the shape we're in now? 
Shall we take a shall we take a quick look through the next section in this? Because this is fun. Yeah, let's go. I like it. Anybody ready or anybody want to go home? No, no. Okay. I didn't pick on you, my dear. I see that's that thing. But I didn't pick on you. I, I appreciate you letting me use you as an <laughs> illustration though. Paying taxes to Caesar. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Hoo-hoo. Yay. Did you, did you catch the breakdown in there where Jesus said, and make sure that you tell Caesar what to do with his, and make sure that if Caesar doesn't do what you tell him to do, then you don't have to give it to Caesar? And, and if you don't like God today, then make sure that you don't give God anything? Right? You have the right, because you don't believe in you, to not give God what is God's. Did you catch that in there? Wasn't that a great part? That was probably my favorite part that says you can just do whatever the heck you want to. Yay! Because it leaves a lot of room for question in there, apparently. A lot of room. There's all kinds of wiggle room in there. Didn't you read it? Should I read it again? It's so fun, I want to read it again. Like I just, I just love it when I find those big old loopholes. I can jump my big old body right, right through it. <laughs> Here I go. There's no loopholes. There's no wiggle room. But how many of you want to hear it? Next thing I want to ask you is, how many of you are giving your time, your treasure, and your talents? How many of you are faithful givers in your time, your treasure, and your talents? Faithful. That you have had the conversation with God and you say, well, I hear some people in the church say that I don't have to give 10%. True story. It's not in the New Testament. Hmm. So do I tithe to the church? Do I serve the church? Do I give to the church? Well, if I dang well feel like it, I will. But if I don't, you ain't going to tell. Don't you tell me, Pastor. Oh, I ain't doing it. No, you can't tell me. Pastor's a jerk. All Pastor wants is money. Right? Pastor just wants you to go out and serve the community so that he looks good. I'm not doing it. Pastor made me mad. I'm not doing it. Right, but the, 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 the part about that is that it comes from the relationship. Amen. But if we're not in relationship, how are we ever going to grow? If we're not in a relationship with the Word of God, how are we going to grow? If we're not in relationship with one another, how are we going to grow? Because when God says that the great commandment, which is coming up soon, same chapter, and he says, love me and love your neighbor. My neighbor sucks. I'm not doing it. Huh. 
Churches split every day. We just went through Hades here and did it seven years ago and I was part of another one that did it out in Montana and I've been, I see it all the time. How are we doing loving each other? And you might take it personal and say I'm talking about this church, but I'm talking about all of them, corporately, collectively. How are we doing? We suck. But if we don't start looking at the areas where we are failing at, we will never, ever do more than what we're doing. And that's the beautiful thing is that we have grace and we have this thing where God speaks to us and tells us where we can do better. Right? Like God is such a lover. Such a lover that he's not even forcing his word down your throat. He's putting it in parables so that you go, what'd you say? That was pretty. Boy, I can't believe those tenants would kill those guys. I can't believe that that landowner would send his son. Didn't he get it? Because it said in there that lots of them died and lots of them were, were beaten. Why would you send your kid when all they want to do is beat you up or kill you? I'm not sending my boy into that. Right? And you can read it for the words. Or you can read it for what it means, right? Like, that's grace upon grace upon grace at the measure by which you can understand it, you can walk it out. The beautiful thing about having a relationship with God is that grace is like, don't take it so dagburn personal. Stop! Stop doing that! Stop getting P.O.'d at Lottie Dottie every day, burn buddy, because you feel guilty about your stuff. Fix your stuff. It's okay. We'll walk with you, man. Come on. Right? Like, let's walk with one another. Let's love on one another. Let's cherish and enjoy one another. Let's fellowship with God and commune with God. And let's, let's do what God is calling us to do because we call ourselves Christians. We want what Jesus did on the cross, but we don't want what God told us to do. What God told us to do is uncomfortable. I'm better at getting gifts. Right? Who is it? Come on. I suck at getting gifts. I hate gifts. I don't like them. But there's a reason for that. I won't go into. But the skinny, beloved, is that we worship a God who pours out his heart. He sent prophets for hundreds of years to speak about what's to come and how we're to live. And he talks about the promises of his nature. And we say, well, I don't know who God is and I don't know his nature and I don't know his will and it breaks my heart because that means that you've been sitting in front of pastors who haven't told you about his nature, that you haven't taken the time, you haven't given God the time to be in his word because nobody told you how absolutely incredible it is and that you don't have to be a theologian, but you have to be a lover of the Father because he's going to open up the word to you as you get in it and he's going to pour out his heart and you're going to say amen and hallelujah. Thank you, God, for blessing me today. But somehow, most of us say, I'm too busy. Guilty as charged. Your Honor, the trial's over. We don't need to go. We don't need to go to trial. Your Honor, I am absolutely guilty. I'm absolutely guilty of not taking the time that I need. Just speak into my tongue. trouble with the medical device. Oh, okay. That we'll leave alone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's okay. All right. <laughs> so, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Thought you were asking your wife a question. <laughs> yeah, like, right? Like, holy dummy. 
<laughs> so, so it comes down to some of these questions that we're asking. Are you enough? Like really, truly, when you think about it, do you feel, know, and understand and believe that you are enough to receive everything that God has for you? Like, because if you don't, you're going to get stuck in the back saying it's not for me. And you're going to be victim to the victimization party. Back here, you're going to be going, why am I alone? Why am I all by myself? My church hates me. No, not accurate. Not accurate. You're struggling with life and it's okay. Come on. Come on, it's okay. There's things in that Bible that anger me because... They affect me emotionally. They affect my emotions, and I can't get over it sometimes. And I need to spend some time, but first I want to say, well, that's a load. I don't have to do that. I don't have to listen to that. That part's stupid. I'm just going to rip it out. If you were to take all the parts in this book that hit you upside your feels, how much of your Bible would be left? That's the reality of it. But why would God give us that word? And then why would he, why would he get all dodgy and put it back into parables and stuff? Why would he do that? Like, think about how much dude loves you. Like, old boy is just hot on your heels in love with you. You are never going to find anyone who loves you as much as God loves you. Praise God that you can interpret and understand some of the words, that it sparks something in you, but that something in you should, should be willing to be changed and transformed or renewed because God is calling you to something greater. Amen? But you're so busy holding on because somebody somewhere told you you're not enough. Somebody somewhere told you that you suck that you're stupid, that you're dumb, that you're ugly, that you're all these things. You're never going to amount to anything. So everything that you have, you just hold on to it. That's mine. You will not get this from me ever. It is mine. Mine. You don't understand, Pastor. You don't get it. I have worked for everything I have, and it is all mine. And you will never, ever, ever get it. Well, let me tell you, I don't want it. God wants what's best for you. That if you can get to that point where you can let those things go, those sacred cows, those things that are so amazing and incredible, like, where did they come from? How did you get them? And the one who gave them, the one who created, the one who blessed you with everything that you have and everything that you see has even better for you if you will only get rid of what you got now. God loves you so much. Like, it's just stupid. It's that love story that all of us long for in our hearts. Like... Man, it's like, oh my gosh, if I could be loved like that with flesh on it, that'd be ridiculous. If I could love the way that I can feel it in my heart, but yet I keep tripping over my own tongue, as in I keep opening up my mouth and, and letting stupid crap fall out of it. And God wants to bless you. He wants to love you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to do all this stuff, but you've got to be willing to give him some of your time, some of your treasures, and some of your talents. You've got to be willing to take the chance to walk with the Lord and say, Father, I don't know where we're going, and I don't know what you're doing, but I'm all about it. 
So Father, teach me to listen to you. Teach me to understand your parables. Teach me that when I get into your word, that we can spend time and we can be renewed and transformed by the reading of your word. By meditating on it daily, I can be renewed and transformed. I can be the thing, the person that I always dreamed I could be. Amen? How great would that be to wake up one day and just realize, like, holy biscuits all Friday. I've actually been a nice person for a whole week. I haven't had to get angry at anybody for a month. Anybody ever go a whole month without being PO'd at somebody? That's not accurate. That's not, no, it's not accurate. Because you know as well as I do, by day four or five, you're going stir-crazy, getting pissed off at yourself for being there. Why ain't I doing another this, all this other thing? I mean, I know you. You're not a sit-at-home, you're not a sit-at-home person. You're not a sit-back-on-your-laurels-and-do-nothing kind of girl. You might sit back there and lick your wounds and go, <laughs> but you're going to come out of it. You're going to come out of it and you're going to say, what am I doing sitting here? I'm having a party and ain't nobody coming. Oh, it's a pity party. That's right. This one's all me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right? But the thing to realize, y'all, it's like we're in the same boat. Like we're all needing the healing presence of God in our lives. And he wants to give us everything. So we're going to work on the next whatever amount of time, whatever amount of time it gets, until the boxes in the back are full, and then we, our, our text to tithe uh, can't handle any more giving. Okay? Because I need some new shoes. I'm just kidding. I would like to say something about tithing. Now, before I got obedient, really obedient with my tithing, I didn't do it at, at first, you know, or, or I want to use the term religiously, uh, because I, I lived paycheck to paycheck. Uh-huh. Right? And I thought, my God, I can't, I can't give money to that church, that kind of money, and, and I already lived paycheck to paycheck. But once I got obedient, but it wasn't about 10% or 15 or 7%, it was, it was uh, deciding to be obedient to, to uh, support the saints, as they say. And once I started doing that and, and, and kept going at it and just did it and did it with a happy heart, you know what? I don't live paycheck to paycheck anymore. Somehow I have plenty of money left over by the time my next paycheck gets here. And it wasn't that way before and I wasn't even tithing. Right. So it, 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 it isn't the money it's the obedience that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, you know, that God's working in me. Right. And it all comes from him to begin with, so he gives it back to me. That's right. And, you know, so you know what I'm saying, right? Absolutely. And, and the, the point of this message is not about tithing. The no. point, right, but you're, you're going in the right direction and we're going to get there. And this is what, this is like week two or three, maybe. Exactly, exactly what you're talking about because it's about the heart. Like, I don't give a rip, roar, and stinky do if you put anything in there. If you're all PO'd and you just say, keep it. We've made it for a while. We're going to keep making it. It's not about that. Yeah? Yeah. Yep. Guy probably eats pumpkins, too. So the deal is we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get through this thing. We're going to get through giving. We're going to get through what it means. We're going to get through this relationship with God thing because it's important. Amen? So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father God, we thank you that we can talk about us, that you thought enough about us in your kingdom to actually help, to actually pour out, to actually shower us with everything that we need. Not always what we want, because what we want sometimes is deceptions. Sometimes it creates a bigger roadblock in our lives. Sometimes it, it serves to be our God, and you just uh, don't necessarily give it. 
But Father, you've given us the gift of life that everyone sitting in here is living and breathing. Thank you that we're all clothed. Uh, thank you that uh, we can come again to hear your word. I just pray an impartation, Lord God. We impart your word upon their hearts that today, Father God, you would impart on them a stronger desire to know and to read your word, to listen to what you're saying. Father God, would you help us to just stop being so smart in our own minds that we can give those pieces up and we can walk in the fullness of truth in who you are. It's about you. It's about us. It's about your love. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.